this conversation with Cedrola um, honestly ran the gamut of emotions for me. There were times where I was inspired, hopeful, motivated, and then there were other times where I was cynical, um, horrified, depressed. And, and in a weird way, though, I actually think that's a sign of a truly authentic learning conversation. Because when you get into the topics we got into, human nature, racism, the idea of like worrying about the individual versus worrying about all of society, if it doesn't feel hard, uncomfortable, scary, it probably means you're not doing it right. Because that's what those topics evoke. They need to evoke that if you're going to truly understand them and try and learn, glean insights and make progress towards them. So let me step back for just one quick sec. So, so just to give some context. So Cedrola is a cancer survivor um, and thriver. She's dedicated to social justice, equity, and inclusion. And as she put it, sharing hope and love with anyone who wants to listen. And she does that through her work as a consultant with businesses, where she helps to, to you know, help them get go along that path, as well as her own podcast called Diversity Dish. Um, and she started with the value of being true to yourself. She sees that in many ways, I think, is the most important ingredient to figure out how to live a better life and maybe how to cure a lot of these issues we're talking about in society today. So we, we jumped right in and, and I love the conversation because we got into it to, to discuss, you know, what does it actually mean to be true to yourself? What does that look like? What happens if my version of truth when I'm being true to myself conflicts with your version of truth when you're being true to yourself? How do you even know what it means to be true to yourself, right? How do we know that our minds are, are not just telling us a story or a narrative because it's convenient and it serves us in some way. So we got into all of that. And that led to a conversation about a lot of the work Cedrola does around combating racism and, and those types of things. She gave some fantastic stories to help make it really real, right? Not just abstract, but but real. And by the end of the discussion, it kind of got to this, this, this question of human nature. And, and if human nature has doomed us to a world where conflict and inequity is kind of just inevitable, or as Cedrola thinks, is there reason for hope? Is there reason for optimism? And, and she thinks there is. She thinks this approach to being true in life, and it's not easy. You'll hear that throughout the conversation. This is hard, almost impossible work that you're never really sure of. But if we do the work, if, if all of us try and undertake it, th there's a chance for us. And I really hope she's right. I mean, there's a, there's a part of me that's still pessimistic and worries that it's just innate in our human nature. But I do think there's an opportunity for us to be better and maybe conversations like this help in some small way. So with that, let's get to the combo. All right, Cedrola, thank you so much for making the time and for being here today. Uh, very much appreciated. I will go to the first question of what's the value that's most important to you? You know, I've been thinking about that for a few days before I got on with you and I think for me, the value that's most important is being true to yourself. So being honest with yourself and being true with yourself, because we can throw out honesty, but sometimes that honesty can be skewed because mm. it's guided by other outside forces. So for me, I think it's mostly about being really, really true to you and yourself. And mm. it's something that I'm actually learning to do a lot more of as I get older. Mm. So I have some questions around that from like, a, I don't know if it's a philosophical or just kind of understanding it better. But before I go to that, I'd love to ask just for you personally, like how does that, how does that play out in your life, right? That value being so important of being true to yourself. 
how do you try and kind of apply that every day? What are the things you feel like are key to work on to achieve that? Like who, who maybe do you look up to that you think does a really good job of that? That type of thing. Yeah, that's, that's a Lo- big question. Right? question. I tend to throw out loaded <laughs> questions yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Uh, I think for me, I've really come to the realization that I need to be really real with myself about the way that I'm feeling and what I want or what I don't want. Mm. Mostly since having come, it's BC, right? It's it's AC, really, Mm. after cancer. Mm. Uh, Because at that time, right at that time was when, was the crossroads. That was the moment where it was like, are you doing, are you living the life that you really want to live? Is is everything going the way that you want it to go? Mm. Or are you just existing, just going on by default? Mm. And I had to be really honest with myself and say, no, I'm not. And I need to figure out what that is. So from that moment, I think that I started to really take a look at who I was hanging out with, what I was doing, why I was doing things. And it's not, it's not easy. It's not always easy to just say, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. So I'm not going to do that because sometimes it is tied into something that matters to someone else or other, you know, something that you're already invested in and that actually needs to, you see to fruition. Uh, So it can be so many things. So for me, I found that the best thing is to ask the question honestly of myself and then be okay or hash through or work through whatever comes up. Mm. I started giving myself a lot of time to think about things, to really contemplate and really have space. And of course, 2020 helped with that because we were all sitting on our butts. We had to, (laughs) we really had to think about things. And I think a lot of people realized that maybe they weren't doing what they wanted to be doing and they weren't uh, going the direction they wanted to be going. Mm. And can I, can I ask on that? So not to, not to jump in, but um, yeah. I think it, it, it's super interesting. It makes a lot of sense. Obviously. I think, as you said, people often find themselves hitting that same crossroads. Cancer is maybe one of the most extreme ways to be forced into it. So totally resonates with me. As you think back to that. Um, so there was, like you said, BC, AC, right? The, the, yes. the BC version of you. I assume there was something positive you thought that was coming out of living that lifestyle, right? Maybe I'm wrong, right? But it, but it wasn't self-sabotaging. It wasn't deliberately like, I want to live the wrong way. No. What was it that you didn't understand then? What was it that you weren't accounting for? Like, what, what was off in that BC version of you versus the AC version of you? I love that question because the the BC version of me before cancer I was still living, and I say all the time, I was still living a great life. I had a great life. You know, I got married. I had my children. We moved around. We did a lot of fun things. But what I realized, BC or AC after cancer, and in looking back at my life and where things got all kind of muddled, where I just became a little bit a smaller version of myself, was that... I was on a trajectory where I was, where I literally was, nothing's going to stop me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm going, I'm going, I'm on this train, I'm taking it where it's going to go. And somewhere along the path, my train got derailed. Mm -hmm. And when that derailment happened, it 
didn't it wasn't a crash so things didn't just implode or explode or i didn't see a huge shift it only it's only when i look back that i realize that i got derailed mm. and that i got stuck at the side of the road and so i had to put myself back on that track and go you know what I really need to be on this track. I need really need to be more true to what it is that I want to do, more true to who I am, more true to the vision that I had of changing things, being being the change that I wanted to see in the mm -hmm. world. Whatever that is, I don't know exactly what it is. I'm I can't tell you where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I can tell you what feels right right now and that continuing it on that path is what's important to me. So mm -hmm. when it doesn't feel right anymore, when it doesn't feel honest, when it doesn't feel uh, authentic to me, then I need to shift and I need to do what feels right. And where that takes me, I have no idea. I just know how I got here. Mm -hmm. And so I can, and I know what I need to do in order to shift to be where I think I need to be going. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful segue to where I was going to go before, because I think back to your value of being true to yourself. I, 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 the first episode I did of this show was my own, what's the value? And for me, it was is around like what I call thoughtful authenticity. So the idea of being authentic, it took me a long time to get there as well. Yeah. I, I, I value that a ton. The concern I have, or, or the thing that I'm always grappling with is, I think that's an unbelievably hard task because in some ways, I don't think we can trust our own minds. And it's not that our minds are always wrong and they're always leading us astray, but at times they are. And it's really hard to tell when that's happening versus when we're actually being our authentic selves. So you just mentioned, right? For you, it's somewhat of a feeling. You can feel when you're being true to yourself. I wonder if you could say a little bit more about that because I imagine for a lot of people listening, myself at least, that's such a hard thing because like, how do you like quantify a feeling? How do you like... Get your hands around it enough to where you can have the confidence to say, ah, okay, this is the right path. Yeah, it is. It is hard. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You can't always know for sure. And especially as an equity, inclusion, and social mm -hmm. justice consultant, I understand the biases that we hold. I understand how our minds are sponges that pick up things all the time. Uh, I understand that sometimes wanting to be completely true to ourselves is not what's right in the moment, which mm. it's really, really hard because it means that there's something that can be pretty detrimental in that moment. Mm. So I understand all those nuances and it is and it's all very very real. But at the same time, we have to exercise that muscle. It's a muscle mm. that needs to be exercised, right? So I have an example. The other day, my daughter, my daughter and I are redoing her room. We painted the walls. We went out, we got some curtains and some curtain rods. And she took the curtain rods out of the box to put them into the curtains and then put the boxes out to recycle. And this was a few days before we actually were putting the curtain rods up. Hmm. So then the day comes that we're putting the curtain rods up and it's a Sunday and the garbage people came on Friday. And I said, and she, she hands me the curtain rod with the curtain on. And I said, well, where are the hooks mm. to put the curtain rod up? And she said, there were no hooks. I said, well, they can't 
there's no way that they could sell you a box of well, a curtain rod without <laughs> hooks. <laughs> and she said, Mommy, I, I looked and there were no hooks. I looked in, in, in the box and there were no hooks. I said, okay. I didn't get upset, but I was like, okay, now kind of frustrated. I was like, okay, well, we got to go get some hooks. So let's go to Lowe's. Let's go get some hooks. And when we got there, I saw the hooks that we needed and I saw the same curtain rods that we'd purchased and the hooks are right below those curtain rods. And I thought to myself, why do they have these curtain rod, these hooks like this? Because they're not the ones that can get messed up really easily. They're, they're pretty sturdy. Mm. And so I, I thought about it and I really thought about it. And I said, you know, I need to say something to my daughter. I need to, I need to apologize. I need to go back and I need to make this right because I want her to understand something. So I, we got home, we did the, the curtain, she, she went and she had a sleepover with her friend and it was a couple of days. And I said to her, I said, you know what, I want to apologize to you, honey. Remember when we were talking about the curtain rods? And she said, yeah. I said, I want to apologize to you because I pretended to know for sure, 100%, that there would be hooks in the box. And, but, I, but what I do know 100% is you. And I know that you are very meticulous in what you do. And so I need to apologize to you because it's quite possible that those hooks were not in that box. Mm. And what happened was that she said, oh, yeah, mommy, you know, I was, I was feeling weird. She said, because I crushed those boxes mm. and I didn't feel anything in those boxes. And so I really don't think that there were any hooks in those boxes. We ended up having that conversation, something she didn't say at the time because she felt bad and she felt, you know, she felt probably attacked. Mm. But at the same time, I had to then go back and be true to myself and mm. to say to her, I'm a mom. I don't know everything. Mm. Sometimes I may act like I know everything, but please feel free to push back on me when you know something different than me. And so it's kind of those things that you have to exercise mm. so that later on when harder things come up and you know you have to go and you have to say, I'm sorry because of this. So we have to have a conversation about this really hard thing. You're able to do that. You have to be able to rather, because the easy thing would have been, mm. oh, it's not a big deal. She probably is not even thinking about it. Eh, it's not a big deal. But she was, mm. and she did, and she would not have elaborated on that conversation had she not had a thought about it. Mm. So I was really glad to have done that, and it taught me a lesson, too, that nothing is that small. Mm. Things that we think are so small are not so small, and they do impact in certain ways that we have to be careful of. Mm. It's a great story on a number of levels. I, I love the story in and of itself, right? The idea of certainty being a problem, right? That 100% sure, the idea of being thoughtful and like stepping back and really thinking about it and then doing the hard thing or the harder thing to actually go apologize. And it resonates with me deeply because I have a son who's about eight years old um, and I find myself in those situations often. In many ways, it's the reason why I do this show, that realization of like, hey, yeah. I need to get better at this. So mm -hmm. I want to I press on that point. Um, because in the spirit of the show, I like what you're saying. And, I, and, and for me, I like to then be like, all right, maybe there's something here that we can really scale and expand upon. So the way I normally do that is try and dissect yeah. it. So I'm going to ask some questions yeah. to probe around it. So what you're saying yeah. is that 
by exercising that muscle, that builds up kind of that, that tolerance for discomfort that allows us to do it when it's hard. And I yeah. think that makes a lot of logical sense. I wonder, um, because I, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. I have this stupid saying I say all the time where it's easy when it's easy and it's hard when it's hard. <laughs> yeah. it's a stupid saying, but I think it's very much in line with what you're saying. Like, it's easy to be a great mom. It's easy to admit when you're wrong, when it's easy, when it's something that's not that important, something that you don't really care about, everything's going well in life, right? Then it's easy. It's hard to do those same things when it's hard, when it's a topic that's like core to your identity and your soul. So yeah. I guess my question is, let me think of how I want to phrase it. Uh, I'll phrase it the most direct way, but hopefully you appreciate it. How confident are you that that's true? That we can build, it's like linear, that we can build our tolerance on small things like this where it's easy. And that allows us to be better when it's hard. Because I think in many ways, that's the crux of it. Had that been a topic that was core to your identity of like, am I a good mom or not? Would you have been able to have that same realization and go back and admit you're wrong? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm curious. Your right. That... That is a good question. It's very, and it's very valid. And I, I don't know. I don't know if it was that easy to be able to say to my daughter that I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it depends on the type of relationship you have or the type of relationship you want to have. And in that moment, I had to think about the relationship I wanted to have as well as what we had. Mm -hmm. And how do I keep that going? How do I grow that? How do I keep that trust and that openness and uh, in conversation going. So I had to put my tail between my legs and say, uh, I was probably wrong. And I don't know that that's always easy for people, mm. right? To, especially when you're talking about your, your children. Mm. My daughter is 10 years old. Right now, I'm probably a hero. In a year or two, I'm probably not going to be, but hopefully, (laughs) you know, what I'm hoping is that what I build now will help that to continue and she will see me as in, as a co-conspirator, as in, uh, as a, uh, uh, someone who's there, someone who's in her corner and someone who's willing to tell her the hard truths, no matter what they are. And even if they affect me, Mm. so it, you're right. It's easy when it's easy and it's hard when it's hard. Um, I think that in the work that I do, sometimes it's, it's hard. Yeah. And I have to remind myself that however you see me, I must tell the truth as I know it. Yes. And however you see me, I cannot be responsible for that. Mm. The only thing I can be responsible for is feeling fine that I shared this information with you. It is my truth. It is the truth, however you want to see it. Mm. And therefore, how you process it has nothing to do with me. So I cannot take it on. And I need to, I need to understand that. Yeah. And, and sometimes that repercussion is, if somebody speaks their truth, that reper- repercussion is that they get fired or that they are now seen as a troublemaker or they are dismissed as someone who oh be killed they're in certain yeah killed whatever it is mm. that may be the case and so those things have to be weighed mm. right those things have to be weighed because our lives are so intricately intertwined with other people and mm. other things that we have to take into account sometimes how it's going to affect those people or those things. 
Yeah. But if it's if it's important enough, or if it's not important enough, because I don't want to I don't want to diminish the um, the angst that people feel when they are not able to say what they need to say. Um, so if it's if the situation is right, then it's important that we speak up and that we continue to exercise that muscle. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think there's a takeaway in that, which says to start where kind of you started on that piece. Um, there's something about like, it's, it, if you're doing it right, right? If you're pushing yourself and you're challenging yourself to try and ensure you're being true. And in the example you gave with your daughter to where you're owning up to it, right? You go back to her. You should be able to identify clear instances in your life where you did something that felt hard, maybe even impossible, counterintuitive, self-sabotaging in some way, in a weird way, because like, (laughs) it should feel unnatural, almost, almost by definition, because it's a hard situation, your subconscious, your mind is going to be such where it's like, go the other way, go the easy way. So if it never feels hard, you're probably not doing it. Like that's almost a test, which I like a lot. And, And then through that, to your point, you build the muscle and it becomes easier. And then it almost becomes a moving goal stick. You can now tackle harder and harder things because you're developing the skill. My question though, to where you went, um, that's speaking the truth, because I think maybe there's two sides to that coin as I think about this a little bit. And I I don't know, I don't know how to think about it. I'm curious your take, right? Mm -hmm. On the one hand, there's the hard thing is speaking your truth. The hard thing is owning up to that and being honest and saying what you feel for all the reasons you said, the repercussions that could be out there. Sometimes though, I think there are times where the hard thing is not speaking your truth, but challenging your truth internally to say, is that actually my truth? Like, am I saying this more out of whatever it is, right? It, 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 it's going to benefit me in some way. Um, it's an easier path. There might be whatever it might be. Um, it's less work because I think for a lot of people at times, myself being the prime example, because I can only speak for myself, sometimes speaking my truth, my quote unquote truth is the easier thing to do because I don't have to challenge myself internally. I could be an asshole. I could be whatever I need to be and use the cover of I'm just speaking my truth. So I don't say that to like disparage the idea of we should have to be speak our truth. We have to speak to things that we see an issue with. If anything, it's just like that complexity of it, which makes it so hard, I think, for people. Yeah. Curious, you know, your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's, that's absolutely true. Right. We, um, we do we do need to speak our truths, but we don't need to do it at the ju- at the expense of people, right? Sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes we might. Um, if there's, if there's an issue well, that's hurting somebody. Well, yes. Okay. Um, what I think you're saying, or what I you know what I what I think is that speaking. Speaking our truths is is not always like you said. I think what you said was not to the to the betterment of someone else. Sometimes yeah, it's can, just. Can I give an just example just to, to make it real? That's very much yeah. the core of the work you do, and I'll just use it because it's an example that's relevant to it. Yeah. Right? Like I, I can imagine. I'm maybe myself at times. I hope not, but other people I know. Right? Let's just take a white person who doesn't want to change their behavior. Right. Yeah. They, they understand racism. They, they maybe see some evidence of it in the world, but they speak their truth, quote unquote. Right. And it's not to say that's right, wrong or indifferent, but just as a scenario put out and they say, you know, 
listen, I just have to be honest. I know it's not popular today. I know it's not in line with how <laughs> culture is going, but I don't think racism is a problem. And right. they would say to themselves, like, I'm speaking my truth. I'm doing it. I'm doing it exactly the way I'm supposed to be doing it. And you could see, I would imagine you'd agree, a strong argument to be said, no, 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 you're getting this twisted. Like, the hard part of this isn't you saying that. The hard part of this is you challenging that internally and yes. checking to see, is that actually true? Do I actually believe racism yes. is an issue or is it just convenient for me to believe that? And that doesn't mean you're a bad person necessarily. Um, it's complicated, but that's actually the hard thing. So that's kind of what I'm getting yes. at where there's two sides to that coin. Yes. The introspection is always the hardest part. Hmm. And what I see and what I believe is that most people don't take that time to be that introspective mm. about m much of anything. Mm. And I think that it's because of the way that we live. We live in this go, 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 got to get it done, got to get it done society. Mm. We're socialized this way and we've been socialized. We've been getting faster and faster as the years have gone by. Everything was supposed to make everything easier. Computers were supposed to make things easier, phones. The smartphones are supposed to make things easier and it's only make it making it more and more difficult for us to even listen to our own thoughts mm. and really listen to ourselves and how we're feeling. So I think to a certain extent, there are people who really don't want to do that introspection. It's not that they can't, they just don't want to, because if they do, then there, are, there is where the work lies, mm -hmm. right? That's where you have to confront those things, and that's where you have to go back and possibly say, I apologize, mm -hmm. I did not realize that I was doing this, and I would like to do better, right? That's where you're tucking your tail between your legs and you're saying, oh my, oh gosh, I'm just realizing this, and so I want to do different. And that feels like it's to your detriment. Where yeah. it's not, yes. it's really just growth, mm. right? It's, it's growth. And sometimes those things that we think are to our detriment are that. Mm. It's growth. Because there's no, there's no growth in comfort, mm. right? You don't, go to the, you don't go to the gym and work out and don't expect to have some kind of muscle pain, right? Because mm. if your muscles are growing you're going to feel the pain. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the gym and you don't feel any muscle pain, you didn't do any work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you probably sat around, picked up something that was easy, felt easy and good and, and all of that, and you're, you didn't really do any work. It's the same thing with mm -hmm. this muscle, and it's the same thing with, with doing this. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you jump to the knee-jerk reaction of, well, I'm just speaking my truth, and um, I don't believe... Racism happens. Let's take your example for mm -hmm. right. When I hear that, I say to myself, they're not ready. We can't have a conversation. Mm. I don't even try because I, I will talk to you about other things. I will, but I won't push on that. I won't, I won't even necessarily move in that direction because you're just not ready. Your soil is not tilled. We can't really, but maybe the seed will drop on, on dry soil and at some point in time it might find its way into the ground and you will see, you know, something different. Mm. But at that moment, I go, okay, I can sit here and argue till 
I feel attacked or annoyed or frustrated or just out of my mind, or I can accept where you are and accept where I am and just say, this is not the conversation for us. Let's talk about the weather. Let's talk mm -hmm. about other things that we can agree on and, and we'll keep it moving. Can I ask, so I'm gonna ask, I'm trying to think I had to ask this question. And I think I'm gonna ask it just the most direct way because I believe it's how we learn, right? So, yeah. so let me ask it and then we'll unpack it and kind of get to it. So that, that scenario is somewhat more cut and dry because we're talking extreme, like racism doesn't exist versus sure. it does exist. But let me say the kind of statement in the extreme and then I'll walk it back a little bit, right? Like, so to your point, right? Somebody says that and totally understand let me be clear. I do believe racism exists. I do believe it's a major problem. I do believe it's something we need to address. But in the spirit of figuring out why it's so hard, in the scenario you just laid out, you can make a logical argument that would say, when somebody says that to you, the first thing you should do, and, and maybe you've done this already, is to say, maybe that's true, right? Because in the spirit of being the, being the change we want to see and seeing it, the expectation is, rightfully so, for that other person to challenge themselves and say, like, they believe racism doesn't exist they should have an honest dialogue with themselves and say, is that true? And let the truth win out, right? And logically they would probably get, should get to the conclusion that racism does exist. In that same vein, if you expect that of them, the expectation should come back that you say, okay, let me think, maybe racism, maybe I've been missing it all these years, but in, but in like a good faith, genuine effort, assess that. Now, in so many ways that is offensive, unfair, unrealistic and so many things to expect a black person to say maybe racism isn't real so i totally get why that doesn't make sense but i wonder if that isn't somewhat the root of the problem where that other pace pearson feels like well you're not doing it you're not entertaining it honestly again not saying they're right so sure. a lot to that but in the spirit of that like what's wh where am i wrong in that it feels like something in that <laughs> is wrong in principle <laughs> but logically there's some logic to it so so help me out you know what i mean help me understand. i understand the question that you're asking and that question is uh, to make it a little bit more succinct. Yeah. So a white person says that they don't believe that racism exists. And, and that let's even make it simpler if we could, because that's probably an extreme example where it's much easier to delineate. What if it's they don't believe, um, they don't believe, uh, well, it's maybe not that simple, but they don't believe police brutality is an issue, right? There's not racism in the police force, right? That's not a, that's not a systemic issue that we need to be worried about. It happens, but it's one-offs. It's not a big deal. Let's use, maybe that's a better realistic example. Right. And well, you know, the other example is just as realistic. Well, just... you're right. It's maybe a little bit, maybe slightly less nuanced, maybe, um, but I hear your point. Totally, totally. Different. Yeah. So, so what, and so what you're saying is maybe black people, need to look at it well let's and even think... use it for you because i don't want to generalize okay so like, for me right so, so... i said it to you like as you draw i, I don't right. think police brutality is that big of an issue is your reaction right. to say huh let me think about that let me actually check and run and see if it is or whatever however you want to do that or is it more visceral which i'll say for me it often is on other topics that you know hit home yeah. to me more where i don't even want to think about that to your point i just i'm not even going to have this conversation you're clearly out in left field <laughs> and like so that you understand like that's what i'm yes at. And so for me, uh, I am an introspective person. I am a person who, honestly, for me, I am a person for a long time who would, who could have said, well, I don't really see how racism plays into life. Mm -hmm. But in, with introspection and with 
paying attention to some of the things that I let go and some of the things that I see now, I realized that I was part of the system that was oppressing me. And convincing you that it's not a problem. Exactly. So because I do that introspection, I have done that introspection when, when it comes to the police or when it comes to racism. Uh, because I'm looking at things, I'm reading things, I'm, I'm assessing from internally yep. and assessing situationally what things are happening and what I can glean. Mm. Mind you, there are times where an outside person looking in who has not done the introspection or who has not done the thinking about it will go, oh my gosh, that's racist. And I'll go, no, it's not. Mm. Because not everything that looks like a duck is a duck, yep. right? Um, I have a really good example. My, my, um, my husband's best man got married the September before we did. Hmm. And so we went out to his wedding. And my husband was doing a reading at that wedding. So we were there for the rehearsal. And... At the rehearsal, um, the bride-to-be was introducing us to her family. And she came to Grandma, and she was introducing us to Grandma. And Grandma, so my husband is white. So Grandma turned to my husband and was, um, hi, how are you? And then she kindly just turned away from me. So I didn't go forth. I didn't go forward. I didn't do anything. And... I realized what was happening. I was like, okay. We went to the rehearsal dinner and I could see her just examining me from across the room, um, just taking me in, right? As I was just doing my thing. And later that night, I said to my my husband-to-be, my fiance at the time, I said, did you notice how grandma reacted to me? And he said, no, I didn't. I, so I went and I told him what, what happened. I said, but I want you to realize something. I said, That's, she wasn't being racist. I said, she's just unsure. Because she lives out in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. I don't know how many black people she's seen in her lifetime. Mm. Right? So she doesn't know. So the next day was the wedding. We go to the wedding. And after the wedding, of course, there's the receiving line and Grandma's in the receiving line. Everybody's in the receiving line. And I, no sooner did I get in front of this woman and she reaches out and she hugs me and she says, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you're here. And I said, thank you. Congratulations. Uh, You know, isn't it just beautiful and wonderful? And she's like, yes, yeah. She's like, I'm, I'm happy to see you. I'll see you at the reception. Mm. I'll see you at the reception. Mm. And we went on our way. And I said to my husband, did you see that? He was like, yeah, what was that? I was like, <laughs> she was unsure. She was unsure, but she was watching me. And she realized that maybe a lot of the biases mm. that she had, or a lot of the stereotypes that she had, because she'd not seen that many black people in her life, were not real. Mm. And so she embraced me. And I embraced her back. Because I could understand it. But that's what the difference of introspection does. Yes. The, the difference of 
taking in a situation and mulling it over in your mind and saying, yeah, maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense or yeah, gosh, that makes a lot of sense because I remember this, I remember this, I remember Mm -hmm. this, you know, so it's really an individual thing. I say all the time in the work that I do, and I work with entrepreneurs and small businesses, individually, we have so much power, but we have given that power over because of the way that we've been socialized. And once we realize that power that we hold, we are the ones who are going to change the way that business is done. Mm. We are the ones that are going to change the way that industries are run. And we are the ones who are going to dismantle the system because if we take our power back and we each individually become introspective and really think about it and then bring forth the truth individually, then collectively, we can make a difference. I'm an optimist. Yeah. It may not happen in my lifetime, but I do believe that individually, if we begin to really do this, we can make that change. Yeah. Well, first, let me say this. Your stories are fantastic. And I don't just say that as hyperbole. I say it because they're, they're interesting stories, obviously, but they also, I think, highlight so much of, of the nuance of this. And you're so spot on in so many aspects. So I think in that story, it's, so I, I, let me say this. I agree with you so much in that for me, I I use the word logic, but that's probably not the right word because people hear something different when I say that. But the idea of being thoughtful and actually looking at the scenario and looking at the past, looking at the current and trying to get as close to accurate and truthful as you can has to be the goal. And the more inputs we take in, the more reflective we are, the seemingly the better chance. Except the only concern I have is that it hits a point where I think it becomes subjective, right? The idea of objective truth is really tough. And let's use the example you use in that story, because I think it ties all this together really nicely. Um, to your point with the grandmother, when, when she's looking at you at first and she kind of brushes you off when she first meets you, your read on that being thoughtful looking at it was she's, she's not racist. It's okay. And the story ended positively because then she embraced you and, and there was kind of a realization there. Somebody else could look at that same set of facts and say, listen, I understand in your situation that worked out positively, but whether grandma was, was racist or not, whatever, however we define that, whether she had a reason because she hasn't been around black people, that behavior and those actions, even if in small doses, even if it took time and she was willing to change her mind, that's the problem. It needs to be called out sooner because some people aren't as good as grandma. They don't realize, they don't figure it out and get to it. So that's still a problem that we need to address. And like that subjectivity, I worry that even if we get people to be super self-reflective and figure it out, there's going to be different versions of the truth and you're still going to have conflict. Maybe it's a different type of conflict. Maybe it's aimed in a different way. So I'm bringing a more cynical view, a more pessimistic view. <laughs> but that's good. Yes, of course. More, like, more optimistic like response to it because I'm sure I'm missing something in it. Yes, of course. But here's the thing, right? I, I've been in this black body for all of my years. And when something is directed at me in one way versus another, I can tell. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't have to be, that was BC, right? Mm. That, that happened BC. So it wasn't because I was now in this phase of my life. It was then, and it was me understanding the nuance of how people, it, it's not just the way that people, what people say or even how they act, but there's a nuance there that I would never be able to relate to you, Mm. right? There's a nuance there. There could be another person 
who does the same thing as grandma and I would go, oh, mm. okay. But what right? if even, what if it's, what if it's, cause I totally agree. You and I unfortunately have very different perspectives and backgrounds, just inherent in who we are, unfortunately, how we look, all those things. Not to simplify too much, but what if there was another black woman who was in that same scenario and said, no, 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 my read on that is, part of my French, but fuck grandma. Like this is an option. <laughs> and that's is, possible. Is it, is that and okay? that's possible. Like, is it possible that she's right? Are there two different versions of truth there or is there one truth? Is there one truth? I don't think so. And that's why I get worried because if there's no Is there one, one truth? Yeah. No, no. I think that if it were someone else and they thought that they that this was the thing. So mind you, the way that grandma reacted with me might have been because of the way that I presented myself the whole time, right? Um, let's say someone else presents themselves the same way and they think, you know, that grandma's being a certain way, but then grandma embraces them at the end. Mm. What's the truth? Yeah. And the thing, the, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing is that it is, you can say that it is subjective. However, it's also... It, it, it's, there's nuance. I, I, yeah. I don't even know how to, <laughs> yeah, totally. you know, totally. I don't even know how to, how to really break it down any more than that. There's nuance. There are, there are things that happen and you can read someone's heart. I wrote an article recently that says that we have to listen with our hearts. Mm. And I truly believe that. I think that sometimes what needs to happen is is it is listened to with our heart. Now, mind you, it is quite possible that someone who has experienced a, a lot of discrimination, a lot of of uh, of pushing away in their lives, would have read grandma differently. That is quite possible, right? Um, but does that make them wrong or does it make them just a product of what has happened? And they too need to be introspective, right? I don't think that, I don't think that anyone owns a, the, the, the truth per se. I think that the truth, as you say, is subjective. However, I think that we have a responsibility to ourselves and to others to think about the reasons that we do the things that we do or, the, or to, to process the 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 ways that we think mm. i think you know i one thing that i that i notice especially in the work that i do sorry i have a <laughs> especially in the work that i do is that black people and people of color tend to think about the generations and the generational things that have been passed down they think about the generational impact of things. I don't think white people do the same thing mm -hmm. because I think and I hear a lot, well, why do we need to worry about that? We just need to be worried about now. Mm. But white people have just as much generational shit. <laughs> I'm sorry mm -hmm. if I can. Sorry, I already but, did. Yeah, but generational trauma in their, in their lives as black people and people of color. The difference is who is willing to confront that? Who is willing to say, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened, and I can see how this might be affecting me because we know scientifically that these things get 
passed down genetically. Well, but but then that's such a good example because to the spirit of the subjectivity and the listen to your heart, right? So there's a, there's a view of human nature, which is probably a more pessimistic one that, than you have, but, but let's see. Whereas like human nature is such where we, we are designed better for worse, probably for worse, to look out for ourselves, our family, our tribe, our own. That's just logically, it makes sense because we're on this earth. If, if, you, if, you, if you take a more kind of scientific, if you will, view of it, that we are genetically programmed to kind of reproduce and expand our species. And to do that, you need to be protective and fearful, of, you know, protect your own. So you bring up the example of black people look at historical trauma and legacy of that differently than white people. There's, a, there's, a, there's an argument to be made, which I hope is not true, but very likely might be that the reason for that is, is self-serving, right? For white people, it doesn't serve me to look backwards. It's not hurting right. me right now. For black people, it does. Yeah. And it gets very much to the heart of this question if where we started, right? To your point of the value, right. be truthful to yourself. How do you know you're being truthful though? Because for some of those white people, the truth might be, like I'm doing this because this is the way the world is. And it's just, and, and like that realization, whew, that's a tough one to swallow. If there's truth to that, like that's super <laughs> inconvenient and uncomfortable and horrible in all the ways imaginable. So like, but again, it comes down to more just self-serving to some extent. If that's true, do we have any hope? Like, can we, I hope we do, but do we have hope to fix this? I hope so. I know, me too. <laughs> I definitely hope so, but you're right. If, if, if it's okay, if it's going okay for you, why are you going to, you know, why, why fix it if it's not broken, yeah. right? And it's it not broken for point. you. Yes. And there's a point you made earlier, which is some people have a perspective that the greater good benefits me. Whereas other people think maybe more like Darwinistic or, or you know, uh, survival of the fittest. Right. Me benefits me. Me, me. my family, my tribe. Me. And it comes right. down to this subjective, almost like view of life where yeah. some people just don't see it that way. And that's, that's a problem, I think. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think- Yeah, no, right. no, it, that, that's, that's what it is. Mm. You know, that is a problem uh, because if you're choosing, which that is a choice, right? If you're choosing not to look at how historically your people have been, mm. that, then you're choosing to perpetuate what other people are saying is a problem. And, you know, frankly, this whole, this whole thing does not benefit anyone. Yes. There, there's a, there's a, well, an illusion. Or is that a truth that we don't want to acknowledge? I, it is true. I think that, you know, the financial people have been saying it. Racism does not benefit the financial structure it doesn't benefit us socially it doesn't benefit us in any way is there a macro micro there where it doesn't benefit us at the macro level obviously for all the reasons we should shouldn't even have to say right but individually you might have individuals who are like shit it benefits me a lot right sure like, so they might think that but that? but they might think that but here's the thing i like to say that we don't know what we don't know Right. You may think that this is the best it could be for you. Mm. Ah, it's great. It's great for me. The best it can be for me. Why bother with anything more? Because it could be better. Because mm. it could be better. Mm. I mean, the amount of money I, I try to shy away from talking about money because if people do things because of money, then that's kind of the wrong uh, motivation, I think. Yeah. But in terms of the money that this economy loses because people are not paid equitably, 
therefore they cannot purchase, the purchasing power is lower, the number of people that have low purchasing power, um, so the economy loses trillions of dollars every year. But who cares? It's not my money. Mm. But is it not your money, though? Mm. I think it is. It's all our money. If you think about the buying power of if everyone had... So this guy, I don't remember his name. He, he founded this company, and he decided four or five years ago that he was going to pay everybody in his company 70000 75000 That was the base pay for everyone in the company. Have you heard about him? No, I don't think so. He decided he was going to pay everybody in his company 75000 That was going to be the starting pay for everyone. And people were like, he's nuts. He cut his pay so that he could do this. They're like, he's nuts. His company is going to go bankrupt. Like, what is going to... What happened is more of his people own homes. His turnover is practically nothing and he has happier employees more loyal employees and they are buying homes they are buying cars they're putting money into the economy and the company has grown exponentially they are now a case study at harvard business school mm. because when the economy works for everyone when it works for everyone there's so much more for everyone, uh, the individual, the individualist mentality that we have that keeps this racist system in place, that keeps the economy stagnant, that keeps things a certain way, doesn't work. It is not beneficial, even to those who think they are winning, it is not beneficial, mm. right? At some point, it falls, it will fall apart. And I'm hoping we don't get there before we figure it out and fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it makes, I, I get it. I mean, to some extent, it gets back to the subjectivity because I'm by no means an expert on it either. But somebody I'm sure could come on with an economic perspective and say, actually, let me explain why that's a problem or that's a bad thing and why it doesn't work at scale. Or maybe it was unique in that situation or innovation, sure. right, right? Somebody could make that argument and then get a little bit to that. But I think- the more important point that you're making is around that, I think it comes back to that aspect of human nature of, of we versus I, right? That whole mentality. And I, it's, I think for some people, it's a leap of faith, they feel like, and maybe I do to an extent too, you know, if I'm being cynical, it's a leap of faith that actually that is the better way. That if we, if we worry about we, I will be better off. And I think that's an implicit assumption because I think it's very hard, if not impossible, for humans to do something that net is net negative for them. If it's going to make my life, my family's life, net worse off, it's almost impossible for me to do that thing. Those are like the great acts of heroism throughout history, where people truly sacrifice, truly sacrifice, right? It doesn't come back and benefit them in some way. Right. And if, and if can we get people to take that leap of faith? And should we? Like, is there something to be said that this is just human nature? Obviously, racism is horrific. I wish it never existed. I wish lots of things didn't exist in the world, but are we doomed as a human race to just be like, but unfortunately that's the way it is. Because although there's a theory that says we're better off if we all do it together and we all out for each other, we're never going to get people to believe that at scale. I don't know. Are we not? <laughs> I don't know. What do I you mean, think? What's your view? You know, do you feel like we're I, progressing in the right direction? 
I feel like we take steps forward and then we take steps back. Mm. I feel like people want to hear it and then people get tired of hearing it. Mm. And the problem with getting tired of hearing it is that that doesn't make it go away. That's like, you know, that's like sweeping the dirt under the rug. Is it gone? No, it's just under the rug. And after a while again, right. For the people that don't want to change it anyway, it's self-serving. I don't want to have to be facing that. Sure. That's exactly right. But I, I do think that I do think that it is more beneficial for us to dismantle it. Mm. And, you know, we often think what's in it for me. That's how we're socialized to think what's in it for me, what's in it for me. Whenever there's a marketing campaign, whenever you're thinking about trying to get someone to do something, what's in it for them? It's important to tell them what's in it for them. But there is an altruistic uh, benefit, even if there's never a, a tangible benefit to doing the right thing. So why do we get here then though, right? Because I, so what you're saying is that that I mentality, individualistic is socialized. It's not the natural state of humans, right? I think is what you're saying to an extent. And I ask this genuinely, I'm not implying. Yeah, yeah, no, that's get, fine. Why did we get here then? Wasn't it natural human behavior that evolved over time that led us to this place of like us versus them and, and looking out for myself and continuing this system? Like there's an argument to be made that we naturally over the course of human evolution got here. So it is, was in fact inevitable. Is it a natural evolution though? Yeah, yeah, considering yeah, so. that, considering that race is a social construct and considering that, yeah. um, that enslavement of human beings was a social, uh, construct that, that this was created by humans. Right. So I agree with you. Completely. Yes, it was. Yes. Totally but horrible. I, I believe, so there was something that I've read and I really took it to heart years ago and that is that we even as human beings no matter if we are uh no matter what it is that we're doing we have to convince ourselves that it's okay we have to convince ourselves that it is the right thing but that it is okay to do Mm. therefore in order to convince a whole society that it is okay to purchase and enslave human beings simply because they look different Mm. than you do there had to be a way for people to do that right there had to be there it wasn't i don't think it was in eight or 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 that it you know people didn't look at and say oh my gosh we have to enslave people because they are black Someone had to convince them. Yes. Oh, you why, know what? So They're not that? a human. They are three, five, three you three fifths of a human. Yeah, they're they they're savages. We we need to we they're savages. They're unintelligent. But why did they, that person do that? I'm because, getting to that person. Was it? Human oh, sure. That person. They, that person or that was going to benefit. Was? Right. They were going to benefit. The human nature is that the natural evolution where. And, and this is what scares me the most. And this is where I think you're right, right? Let me, let me say the positive first, then I'll say what scares me. I think your view, it's almost like an evolution of human nature, right? Where we're evolving to be better, to think about the we versus the I. And the way we do that is exactly what you're saying. We challenge ourselves to find our truth. It ha- Back to what we said before, it should feel unnatural at times because right. our natural human nature, it's a gravitational force that pulls us towards our own benefit, thinking of ourselves. To fix that, we have to kind of challenge ourselves and test ourselves. So I think that's right. 
The cynical view though, the scared view that I have is exactly the history you're saying. We got to a point in history where a group of people, whoever it was, was able to convince society, at least Western society, although slavery existed in other societies, that it's okay to enslave these people, to beat these people, to rape these people, to treat them like just dirt on your shoe. And people went along with it. The fact that human nature allowed us to even get to that point horrifies me. And it, it, it gives me a cynical view that like, there was a natural evolution that got us there. And it's gonna take something unnatural for us to break it. So that's where I worry when it says like, I guess I'm cynical of human nature. As a whole. <laughs> but I don't blame there, you. Yeah, I, I don't blame you not one bit for being cynical of human nature. However, I feel for me, especially, you know, you have kids, I have kids for our children's sake, hmm. that it is something that can be overcome. You know, I, I feel like I have to believe that. Otherwise, I mean, the alternative, the alternative is not pretty. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and I think that as we're coming towards the end here, I think that um, the reason for that optimism is because, as you said, well, let me say it this way. The, the importance of the work you're doing and that value of, of being true to ourselves is that this is such a hard problem to solve. And, and I mean that in the spirit of what we're talking about. This might be so deep rooted in our human nature, right, from an evolutionary perspective, whatever, that for us to fix it, if we're not completely honest, if we're not getting into the weeds of this and addressing all the ugly aspects of it, the ones that are obvious and glaring, the ones that are more hidden, the ones that don't make us feel good, if we don't account for all of that, we're not gonna solve this problem, right? So it can't be a superficial solution. It can't be, as I know you've said, colorblind, right? Don't see color, it's simple as that. It can't be as simple as just put these new rules in place and everybody will just conform. It can't be. I believe in people and I hope they're going to be better. It has to be where you're coming from. Do the work. We all have to yes. do the work and it has to feel almost impossible that work. Because if it doesn't, then you're not doing it right. Right? Like yes. that's, I think, where your optimism comes from. And that makes me feel better. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You got to do the work. It's not, it, it's, it's not a performance. It is, it is a job. It is, it is work. And if Every you're day. not feeling all uncomfortable, right. then you're not doing it right. If you're not feeling uncomfortable, if every day you're not confronting something that makes you cringe or feel like, oh man, you know, that I didn't know that. Now here I know this, you know, then you're not doing it right. But where I want people to, where I want people to find a little bit of solace in all of this is that you don't have to do all the things. You don't have to do, and you cannot do all the things. I cannot do all the things. Individually, we cannot do all the things. Find something that moves you. Find something that's important to you. If, there's, if, you're, if you're a cancer survivor and you really want to spread the word about cancer, find the inequities in cancer research, in cancer studies, in cancer treatments, and champion a change. You can find a space that works for you and champion the change in that space because we cannot all do all of it, but we can do something. And that's what I want to encourage people to do. Take your power and do something. If you're in in HR, work to make sure that 
everything is equitable, that you're finding people from different places and that you're equitably really trying to change the, the demographic of the company. If you are, whatever it is that you do, teacher, doctor, lawyer, janitor, whatever your, your place in the world is, you can do something. You can say, hey, how come we don't have more people of color working here? Mm-hmm. You can ask the questions. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to mean that you're, you're hurting yourself. But it does mean that it's planting a seed and it's making somebody else go, ooh, somebody's noticing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You can make a change. You just have to be willing to step out. And uh, what did Dr. Yaba Blay say? Be an accessory. Mm-hmm with us Mm. in the work that we're doing. Mm. I think that's well said. I think there's a lot of value in that. I think pairing that, because you're absolutely right, such an important point, we can't do it all. Pairing that with the hard work that involves in doing that, because I think sometimes that emotion, that human nature, whatever it is, comes in and it clouds our mind and it starts to tell us like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're doing it. You're doing the hard work. You're doing the right thing. You're doing whatever it is. So just don't trust that right away. Do to your point, back to the story with your daughter in the beginning. Be yeah. self-reflective, have the humility to say, here's what I'm going after. Let me try and get as close to the truth about it as I can. Let me challenge myself as best I can on that small part that you're doing. And I think to what you said, where you started, if we all do that, figure out that thing for us, be honest with ourselves, do the work, challenge ourselves. It has to help. It has to help. And, and also keep in mind, the moment everything starts to feel comfortable, You've got to get back up and get out there again. <laughs> yeah. Or at least don't trust that everything. Like maybe don't good. trust, maybe don't trust okay it. A little bit, but don't just assume it. That's don't right. Just assume that. Go out there and challenge and check. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Totally. So, Joel, I, I get the sense we could talk for a long time about this. We could. And, and, I, and I'd love to. I, you know, firstly, again, thank you for being on. Thank you for the work you're doing and being on the show. But, you know, conversations like this for me, I mean, selfishly to the spirit of the human nature we're talking about, I enjoy them deeply. I just think they're philosophically interesting. And, but more importantly, to try and get to the place where I think we both want to get to, hopefully most of us want to get to, we have to have these conversations. We have to have these authentic conversations. And my hope is that by us modeling this a little bit in some small way, right, doing our small part, it helps people do it more and it makes it easier and more accessible and being more authentic and genuine. So I can't thank you enough for being on and sharing your thoughts, your insights. Well, thank you so much for having me. It has been a pleasure for and giving me the space to be able to speak up. Oh, I'm grateful for it. All right. Well, thanks, Joel. You have a great rest of your day. You too.